The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 95, from March 12th, 2007. Wow! Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. This may sound a little different, but that's because oh, we're back what? to we're back to mono, John. You see, <sighs> where we were able the the folks at um, uh, uh, and I I don't have it in front of me. I printed it, I put it in the show notes for the uh, for the upcoming show from the X Lab. Mm-hmm. Doctor Smoke from the X Lab uh, reminded us or alerted us to the fact that the uh, bug that was in the 5G iPods was fixed a couple of months ago, and probably everyone's got it on their 5G iPod now. So we're able to go back to mono, and that's why the intro sounded different, right? <laughs> no, that was. I was uh, going to say I thought that some of the things that I did in my youth were were coming back with with a vengeance <laughs> in a good way. But when I heard you speaking, I felt much better. So uh, that's that's uh, yeah. what, that's what a lot of people tell me. Yeah, there was uh, no, some that, audio magic there. That was from Robert. And uh, and we'll link to him in the show notes too. <clears throat> so we are back with a normal show this week. We well, as normal as that can, as normal as a show starting that way can be, uh, mm-hmm. answering your questions and going through all sorts of stuff. We've got some uh, updates from our maintenance show last week, but uh, but mostly we've got new questions. I think most of you are digesting that maintenance show, and we just started getting comments in just in the last day or two in in, in earnest here. So we're gonna wait to to hit most of those until probably next week. But uh, we've got some miscellaneous stuff, syncing, networking, and all of that good stuff. How are you, John? And a baby's arm holding an apple. There it is. Perfect. Hello? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great, actually. I was at the Apple store yesterday uh, visiting my friends, uh, Josh and Abby, and their uh, kid cool. in uh, New York City. It's a neat, it's a, it's a neat store. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I, didn't, I couldn't. Did, did you go to the, the 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 one in Soho or the the cube Fifth one? Avenue? Oh, cool! The cube, ah, the board cube. Yes. Yeah, I haven't been there. Very cool. Oh yeah, took the elevator this time. I didn't last time because they had a problem with the elevator that's uh, a when good, they opened. It's a uh, good time not to take the elevator. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's an awesome store. Tons of people around. That's um, good. Willing to help you, including because of the first person that came up to us. Uh, uh, we were we were handling some items which could have easily been spirited away, and you know he's like, "Can I help you?" It's like, "Well, you know, who are you?" He's like, "Oh, I'm security," and the guy looked oh. like a normal person. He's like, he "Let me get a salesperson you. for you." So, so I'm sure, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> well, just people grabbing you know hard drives ready to flee with them. I guess you know gets them kind of nervous, right? Because it's very open. I mean, the other thing is they allow fo- you know they don't seem to have a problem with photo photography, which some other stores do. Uh, yeah, I think it depends yeah. on the the phase of the moon. So. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But yeah, it was a good day to be out, out and about and uh, check out the Apple Store. I just came from band practice, so I'm hyper. I had to cut things short tonight because, of course, we have uh, to do the show. Normally, we we do this. This isn't the 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 cover funk soul band. That it's not Ghetto Fabulous. This was Fling, the local original thing. Who's who's one of whom we may use uh, one of their tunes, uh, one of our tunes. Yeah, I guess it would be our tunes as uh, the theme song, starting with Show 100. I'm hoping. We may we may switch a little bit here, but uh, it only depends it depends milestone. on whether or not we're uh, we're done. But anyway, I'm a little hyper. So anyway, uh, let's go to Peter with a question about palm syncing on his. Well, you'll hear. Hi, Dave and John. 
My name's Peter. I'm from Bay Village, Ohio, and uh, I had a question about syncing. Uh, I'm a recent switcher to a MacBook Pro, and uh, the only thing I had trouble with when I was uh, doing my switchover was uh, setting up my Palm Tungsten T3 uh, with my Mac. And I heard, I'm not sure whether it was John or Dave mentioned you have a Trio, so I figured that you have thinking all figured out. Maybe you guys could talk about it a little bit, the pros and cons of different ways of doing it. But uh, at the moment, I'm thinking with uh, a Windows version of the desktop that I run under Parallels, but that's not my preferred way to do things. I'd much sooner uh, be getting hooked up with iCal and all that kind of stuff, and I was hoping you could uh, give me a leg up on that. I've certainly enjoyed uh, all of your conversation, and hope you can answer my question. You bet. All right. Uh, I believe both of us use Palms. I use one. You're right. I, I'm the yes. one that has the, the Trio. John has a non-phone version. I think you've got a Tungsten. T2. Okay. I have the T2. So okay. very close to uh, his model. That's right. Okay. So for me, um, I, I started using the uh, the Palm HotSync app, but very quickly moved beyond that when I got my Trio. And I, I only, I've only had my Trio for, what, a little less than two years. I tried Pocket Mac. Um, I had some issues with it. Support wasn't great, uh, unfortunately for me. Uh, if your mileage varies, please let us know. So I then tried Missing Sync and have not looked back. The Missing Sync folks have done a great job. Uh, it, it works out of the box. It inherits all of my, my other conduits. I use Now Up to Date. I am a uh, devoted Now Up to Date user. Uh, in fact, a, a, a common friend of, of, of uh, mine and John's. A guy named Jason wrote, was one of the original programmers and now up to date. But I've been using it forever. Their Palms conduits are still classic, and Missing Sync supports those even on the on the Intel MacBook Pro that I use. It also allows you to connect Bluetooth from the Palm or Cradle back to the Mac and use that as your internet connection as a tunnel. It, it, it's seamless. It works great. So I've been using Missing Sync. I believe John's doing it a different way, and that is. <sighs> Well, I'm using well, – well, the first thing is, of course, you can use the Palm software, which uh, from what I saw, you know, because initially when we got the question, I thought, is there an issue with the Palm software and the uh, Intel machine? Because I still right. – you know, I'm still waiting for mine. It's, it's out there somewhere. I'm <laughs> sure it is. <laughs> uh, but but they, you know, based on the information on their website, they, they support both platforms. Um, but, but I think the question was leaning towards uh, iCal. And, and so in my case, what I do is I use iSync with uh, .Mac. So I think the intent here, because the, the, the Palm software, I, I think, is pretty good on its own. So if you want to have, you know, one environment uh, that manages all of the things that, that's on your Palm, that's great. Um, but if you want to sync it with uh, iCal and those things, <laughs> if you want to uh, sync it up with iCal, then then in my case, uh, iSync and .Mac, though, of, of course, you have to pay so you can, you know, have .Mac servers handling that for you. Um, then another thing I do is another product for, for those that work more in an enterprise environment is uh, Lotus has something called EasySync. Really? So what I do with that is I use uh, – so what EasySync does, because in, in my workplace uh, currently we're using Notes, which uh, you know both operates on PC and Mac, uh, IBM or Lotus makes something called EasySync, which syncs your palm to your Notes calendar. 
So that way I have actually, there's kind of a benefit. I think a lot of people are probably in that situation um, where you may want to sync both at home, but also with the work calendar. In this case, that, that's how I kind of partition it between the two. I mean, all the events still appear, you know, so there's a privacy aspect. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, there's a there's a lot of different ways to do it, but but you know it looks like Palm is still currently supporting things, and I like personally iSync because I not only do it with Mac and my Palm, but also my phone uh, to uh, you know manage the phone numbers for the most part. Right. You can do that with uh, with iSync as well. So I, I like iSync for for async uh, solution. There you go, and it, and and like you said, apparently it works with uh, with dot with uh, the Intel Mac. So. There you go. So you've got three options. You've got Pocket Mac, Missing Sync, and the built-in iSync, uh, if you want to do that. And check them all out. The Pocket Mac and Missing Sync add some features. Uh, it's been a long time since I've checked out Pocket Mac, so uh, perhaps my issues that uh, that I'd had with the Intel machine are n- non-existent at this point. So there you mm-hmm. go. And with iSync, you want to be sure there is a, a menu choice. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Immediately, but basically the menu choice says, uh, no, actually it came up here. On the devices menu, when you start iSync, there right. is a choice, enable Palm OS syncing. Make sure you want to choose that uh, if you want iSync to know about your Palm, because I think there there is an issue with it uh, recognizing it you know, nicely like the Mac usually does. So, got it. Uh, or, or it install, you know, make sure all your hot sync software is, because I think it actually has to disable a couple of things just to keep everything uh you oh, know, that that's uh, probably true. Okay. It's got to disable the 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 Palm versions uh, or the Palm conduits right. relating to address book and calendar, so that it can use the iCal uh, things. That, right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So what happens then is you would lose the ability through the uh, you know Palm desktop software to access those things, sync with the device. Got um, it. But, you know, to still, for example, I, I I just looked recently, the the notes. You know, there are other things like I think a to do. Well, no, the to do gets a brought into iCal, but like, for example, the notes thing is still right. accessible through the Palm desktop. So uh, so that can get kind of weird, um, right. you know, having different things syncing in, uh, with different software on your Mac. So there you there go. You go. <laughs> hey, guys, this is Dennis from Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. I've got a question about recording audio for podcasts. I know you've talked in some of your, your previous uh, podcasts about the, uh, the mic systems that you guys have used uh, in, in the studio. I want to do some remote recording uh, for an adventure travel type of a podcast, and which means I'm going to have to have a system that's reasonably lightweight, uh, uh, has good battery life, and uh, and can't be has to be sort of compact and light. So I guess my question to you is: Could a person record uh, audio for a podcast using an iPod, uh, for instance? And if so, what would you use for a microphone to go with it? I've used one of the little Griffin mics. I can't remember the name, specific name of it, but it was uh, from Griffin that plugs into the top of the iPod. I wasn't pleased with the sound quality. Um, do you guys know of a mic system that would work better? Alternately, is there a better device to record on uh, than, than using an iPod? Because I've got two of them. That's the first thing that came to mind, but uh, you know, perhaps there's something better. Anyway, thanks. Uh, enjoy the podcast. I've learned a lot, and uh, I'll look for an answer. Bye. All right. Uh, there are so many answers here. Um, th- as far as recording from an iPod, y- yeah, th- there's the Griffin device. I believe it's Extreme Mac has another one. Uh, and uh, did you find a third, John? I know there's I know um, there's, there's a, a, quite a few of them out there. Well, I saw it. Well, Griffin is the iTalk Pro is the current mm-hmm. product. 
uh, which is a, a stereo microphone. Um, should I rant yet about what I think about the, the whole recording on your iPod thing? Or Go ahead. <laughs> well, to me, I don't it, And actually, no, I mean, I mean, to me, the, I haven't tried the Griffin product, but to me, the, you know, the iPod is a wonderful audio player, a recorder. I mean, there are other options out there of devices, you know, non-Mac devices. Uh, you know, a couple of them, like I've seen from Olympus, and uh, and I think iRiver, I think, has some some very nice ones. So uh, the Rigby device is better suited for that. But, of course, you know, because there is a connector on the iPod, uh, you know, heck, it, it, it is nice. But uh, I'm just – I'm wondering if this device – I can't see immediately if it allows you to plug in a microphone because it looks like yeah. – you know, I'm just nervous about a, a built-in mic with – I mean, I can see they're like pinhole mics, and I think you may not get the best quality. If there's a way to do a, li- a mic in – the, <laughs> right, then that could be nicer. So the, the, there's probably oh, and I see this right here. Okay, I think Bel- that... Belkin's got that Tune Talk right, which is which will allow you to do like full stereo and and all of that stuff too, right? Mm. Okay, think. well I see here it, it seems you can also uh, plug a mic into this. Uh, yes, you can use an external microphone with iTalk Pro. Okay. so that may be a better choice because then you could get a microphone or even a headset. You know, if you're uh, booging around. There you and, go can't necessarily hold it in front of you and operate it, uh, I think that may be uh, uh, an alternate solution. Because yep. it sounds like uh, you know this person is going to be mobile and out in, the, out in the real scary world. Right. Okay, so uh, the, so those are the a couple of the solutions for the iPod. Uh, the other podcast here at, at TMO, the Apple Weekly Roundup, uh, Ricky Spiro and Jeff Gamut had gone through quite a few options of non-iPod devices, so separate devices. The, they looked at the Marantz PMD660, which is uh, a a big unit, uh, but it, it's got quite a quite a few features. It's got you know phantom power and microphone inputs. The Ederol RO9, which is a tiny little unit, and then the Zoom H4, which is kind of which kind of splits the difference. I've actually got one of those here that I've been meaning to look at. It's got uh, XY pattern condenser mics built into it, stereo condenser mics. As well as uh, line and microphone inputs with phantom power, if you want them, they all record to uh, digital media and 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 have their pros and cons. You can listen to their podcast, the one from January twenty seventh, I believe, and I'll put it uh, put a link in the show notes for that. But uh, th- there are many many options and and many different ways of doing this. But yeah, you you can record either to an iPod or one of these other units and then suck it into your Mac. You can record to full full format wave files where there's no compression or most of these actually will record straight to MP3 if uh if you're willing to do pre-compression. Yep. The only thing about doing pre-compression is if you decide later, wow, I wish I'd used a bitrate that was bigger, you you can't. So, and and we made that mistake with this podcast uh, initially. Well, we were tweaking things. I was trying to do it with absolutely no post conversion or anything. And uh, as it turns out, uh, Corey Cooper from the Mac OS G podcast gave me a shove in the right direction and said, look, just record to WAV files and uh, convert after the fact. And that way, if you find there's an issue, you can always reconvert. And he was right. So now, I've seen some players, just to be cautious, if you get a non you know, Apple recording product, some people still I've seen this, uh, you know, less of this, but it still happens where, you know, somebody comes up with their own proprietary G whiz, you know. Uh, compression file right. format and you can't do anything with it you know so you know yeah, just look just, at the specs and make sure it has AAC or MP3 or, or a wave or right. you know anything that's 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 common 
Um, but it happens, some, and sometimes they get, you know, great uh, efficiency. You know, they can cram a lot of data in small memory, but the only problem is you may not be able to get it out of the device <laughs> to do anything with it. Good point. Our sponsor this week is Barebones Software, and specifically their Yojimbo app. Yojimbo is actually the app that I use to organize, well, I use it to organize just about all of my quote-unquote other data, anything that doesn't fit into essentially mail or my calendar, all the little text files, all the little snippets of data, all the passwords, all the websites that I want to save and archive or refer to later, and all of the stuff that is involved in creating the Mac Geek App is actually all done uh, here in Yojimbo, PDFs and all the, the show notes, or well, not the show notes, but the, because um, those are done in HTML, but the uh, the show agenda that John and I run from, all of that's done in Yojimbo. It is... One of my favorite apps. I live in it all the time, and I'm very happy to have them as a sponsor. It syncs among multiple computers, so if you've got uh, you know more than one Mac, it'll use .Mac to sync, so you've got to have a .Mac account if you want to use that functionality. But all the items sync. It's a per-item uh, basis, so if you edit one item on one machine and another item on another, it'll they'll both be synced back and forth. Absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. You can tag things. You can organize into folders. You can have things in multiple folders. You can have things with multiple tags. Very flexible, very simple app. Uh, and very hard to explain, but I couldn't live without it, so I highly recommend trying it. Uh, Yojimbo from barebones.com, barebones software. Cool. Yeah, I noticed that the other day. I was looking through my uh, .Mac account. Yep. And I saw a uh, Yojimbo category. I'm like, oh. There you go. Hmm. Very nice. So, uh, so yeah, .Mac is... Uh, I wonder what they're going to do with that. Oh, I hope, I hope they make lately. .Mac faster with, with, uh, with Leopard because it sucks right now. It's, uh, oh, well, you, you have seem to have continual syncing uh, issues. Where well, I'm syncing among three different, on three different Macs. So, uh, uh, you know, there you go. So that it, it, it's, not, it's not fast. Let's just say that. And Chris has some things to say, too. Hey, John and Dave. It's Christopher with MacWorks in Minneapolis. I had a couple of comments about the previous show. The first was about the gentleman who had the issue with sharing a FireWire drive over SMB. Um, the, uh, you almost had it there, uh, uh, Dave. It was SharePoints that you were trying to think of, and I would consider um, I would consider SharePoint setup and configuration to be kind of an intermediate level thing, and. Uh, Whereas maybe the SMB um, editing of the SMB configuration file might be a little more of an advanced level. Um, I'm not sure that either works, um, but they may be worth a shot. And then on the with the gentleman that had the bonjour issue, I'm wondering if maybe he doesn't have two DHCP servers running. Uh, perhaps he has a wireless router that's doing DHCP and NAT, and then maybe another wired router that's also doing DHCP. If that's the case, uh, turn the DHCP and NAT off in the wireless router and let the other DHCP server do the job. Um, that's all for now. Great show as usual. Take care, guys. Bye. Okay, yeah, so we covered the SharePoints thing in a previous show, but... That's a very interesting point about multiple DHCP. You really That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And it, it would ex- it would cause exactly the issue. It, and what he's referring to is a couple of shows ago, one guy called in and said, every now and then, my and, and on a regular basis, my machine won't see other Macs on my local network, but I can still get out to the internet and all that stuff. And if you've got two two different DHCP servers, meaning 
two different routers running that are handing out IP addresses. And one machine uh. gets it from one, and one machine gets its address from another, uh, unless they happen to be distributing addresses on the same subnet, which they probably aren't, then that's it. If it's Linksys, it's doing, by default, 192.168.1, and mm. the airport router is, what, 10.1.0. whatever. And so there you, you can go. You do different. Yeah, so you have... That, by default, I, think, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think DHCP is uh, around port 67, 68. I think it uses both. UDP, not not TCP. Right. right. Um, I would think uh, this is probably in the, in the, the old days when, uh, you know, the ISPs were kind of figuring out how to work things. Setting up your own DHCP server on a broadband network uh, probably would get you kicked off. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> not now, off. though, but in, in the early days. Now I would imagine yeah. they'd filter that sort of thing to not allow... You know, uh, individual subscriber well, to offer DHCP. I don't, I don't think DHCP is routable. Well, uh, that might be a shaky limb. I don't know the answer to that. Is uh, DHCP I'm routable? Thinking... I guess it might be. I, it can't be. How could it be? Mm. DHCP can't be routable because it, it you don't have the router address to send to. So DHCP, therefore, is not routable. The limb I'm standing on is firm. Or, yeah. or I'm just it? saying, <laughs> having more than one DHCP server on any Bad. Network is uh, not good if it's not intended. <laughs> if it's not intended, that's right. If they yeah. don't know about each other, as you pointed out. But yeah. uh, no, I've just seen, uh, like, especially, uh, I know there is a, a, a config screen on the airport that uh, asks you, do you want to do DHCP or just NAT or, you know, a combination of them? And uh, sometimes right. you have to be careful because I think sometimes you may be fighting with the hotel network because sometimes those are set up in, in very bizarre ways. I know you and I have troubleshooted that a couple of times. Yeah, that's so right. You initially get yeah. to a hotel, and you're trying to get an address, and you don't know why, and sometimes you have to, to tweak the uh, the airport or whatever portable router you bring with you, there you to go. deal with it. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Gillis wrote in. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, please tell me. And says, uh, hi, guys. I was told many years ago that hubs did not exist for Ethernet on Twisted Pair. Rather, the concentrator that is the box with all the connectors is a multi-port repeater. I know it's a mouthful, but it tells exactly what it is. What it did was recondition the signal to each port, whereas a hub would be totally passive and inefficient at rates over 5 megabits per second. In fact, some were a bit more intelligent than others and would filter out packets addressed to the devices attached to the MPR. Then came the switches. And that's what we all use now. Now, my question for the day is, what is the difference between broadcast and multicast? Some people tend to use them interchangeably. And if the limb was firm on our answer to the last question, it's going to be shaky on this one. I, I, uh, no, I think it's going to be quite firm. Do you, do you think you have uh, – I, I think I have kind of an answer, so let me, uh, l- let me, let me try this and see what – Take a what, stab uh, at it. I'll take a stab at it. So – Unicast, right? Well, let's start simple. Unicast is Mm -hmm. packets that are sent from one host on a network to another. And it could be the same network or different networks, right? Broadcast is when one single device on a network, on a local, you know, a a, a closed or a, a single network, not routed. Broadcast is when a single device is transmitting a message to all the other devices on its local network in a given address range. Multicast is when a single device is transmitting its messages to multiple computers in many different places, but it's 
targeting them, kind of like a conference call. So broadcast just blasts it out, and anybody that's listening can hear on the local network. Multicast can broadcast to anyone as long as it knows who it's broadcasting to, kind of like a like a conference call or a Skype call, you know, a Skype cast or anything like that. Is that right? <clears throat> John, how the heck should I know? All right, well, <laughs> listeners, then somebody no, tell me how firm I, this I limb know. is. So, no, I, I would say that. A, so, my take on this was was at a, a lower level, I think, than you're describing it at. Okay, in that there are IP addresses that are formed such that they are, by definition, a broadcast address or a multicast address. So, a broadcast typically the the, the end of the address, depending on the subnet and the IP and the class of address, tends to be all ones or, you know, two five fives and stuff like that. And that will tell a piece of routing equipment, oh, this is a broadcast message. Let me send this to everybody, uh, you know, that's connected. So that's, wait, 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 let me, let me stop you there. That, okay. th- when okay. you're saying that, that 255 address, that's the message that the packet is sent to, not that the packet is sent from, correct? That is correct. Okay, cool. All right. Now I'm starting to get this. Okay. Got it. The destination. Uh, So certain IP addresses with the right mask mean something to uh, routing equipment that understands that. It's all so much clearer now. Assuming you're right. Lower level. I mean, this is like level two, the TCP layer, I think, or the, yeah, or IP. I don't have the chart in front of me. It's been a while, guys, since I (laughs) did the school one. But, uh, but, But I remember the concept. And the multicast is another class of IP address, and it does do what you, I think, a class D IP address. Now, if you remember, there's like a class A, class B, class C. IP addresses have particular classes that define, you know, how much space they take. And, well, especially when you, you buy a, you know, like the, the big boys would get a class A network, and it would be, you know, you probably remember this. Uh, oh, yeah. If you've had to do provisioning, you know, getting a class A, I guess you really can't do anymore. The the big players that got them well, got there, them. there were only 252 right, class right. A's available, right? Then class B's and class C's each, you know, uh, successive what, class what, have what a smaller What John's talking addresses. about, what John and I are talking about here. So, and and again, the limb may be a little shaky. Uh, mm-hmm. Class A addresses, we're talking about IP addresses. So uh, you're looking at that. For example, 192.168.144.1. Okay, so the 192 dot part of it, the first octet of of the group, uh, is the class A. If you if you bought a 192 dot whatever and owned everything under that, that's class A. Then 192.168 is a class B. 192.168.144 is the class C, and then so you're saying 192.168.144.1 is the class D, but that's just a full address, right? Well, class D actually I think is, is starting at 224. Oh, see how smart you are. I'm sorry. So class A is between uh, the first octet between 1 and 126, class B between 128 and 191, class C 192.223 at the article that I'm looking at right now, which we'll link to, of course. And then you got D and... E. Uh, e is kind of weird. But, Can somebody but anyway, send so, us an audio comment to straighten all this out? Please. Mm-hmm. You. Yeah, 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 you, you. The, the, the one that's banging on your steering wheel saying, no, you're getting it wrong. <laughs> send in an audio comment. And if you can't do that, call the phone number, 206-666-GEEK, 4335. Or send us an, at, at the very least, send us an email. Straighten this all out so that uh, if we didn't get it right, we know. Uh, or, or we will. And, of course, if we did get it right, 
uh, clarify it for us and uh, and we'll we'll know that. So we will uh, we will leave that. We got many of the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, please help <laughs> yeah. us complete it. That's right. We need the we need the flame and the uh, other thing. So there you go. Hey guys, this is uh, Chris from the blizzard that is Western Wisconsin. I just uh, you guys have talked a lot about networking lately, and my guys have kind of hit the issue, but skirted around a little bit. Um, doesn't pertain to most uh, normal computer users, but I'm in a college house and uh, I'm basically our IT department, and we've got Apple, the old Apple Airport router, um, going to a switcher, and that's providing uh-huh. all of our internet for all the desktops and most of the laptops. So everything's running, most everything's running off the wireless network, and then the switcher is running uh, about three desktops and. A two gaming console. Uh, my biggest question is we seem to be getting a lot of uh, slowed out router, uh, both internet and gameplay kind of stuff. So it's affecting everything. And basically, we reset the uh, airport router, unplugging it and plugging it back in, and everything seems to be fine then. But we seem to have to do that quite often. Uh, I'm wondering if you guys know a simple fix for that or if it's Possibly because we're on a switcher instead of a router. Um, we could probably switch to a router. The only appeal to the switcher was the fact that at eight ports, uh, most routers don't go that high, or at least in a uh, college computer. So, any advice? Uh, thanks, guys. Okay, uh, let me clarify. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, because they've got some switcher there. That's a uh, poor person sitting there soldering all these cables together. Acting as their network device. <laughs> No, it, what what Chris is talking about is that he's got a switch, and yes, you're that. you're right. Most routers don't have eight ports available, but mm. all routers that I know of these days have switches built into them. So the the Linksys router that has four ports, that's a switch. It, it's just a switch built into the router. You have an eight port switch plugged in, and that's fine. Chances are your switch is what I would consider a quote-unquote dumb switch. So it's not doing anything other than it's switching. It's not trying to do any traffic shaping or anything like that, which it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. It should just be passing data as it needs to. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't believe your switch is causing the problem, especially since when you say you restart your airport base station, all the problems go away. Mm-hmm. So uh, my... My thought is update the firmware on your airport base station, and even if it doesn't need it, re-update it anyway to kind of clear out the the cruft and and maybe reconfigure things, and perhaps that will uh, that will do uh-huh. it. I, that, that, that's my thought, John. My thought number one. But 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 actually, I'm sorry to interrupt. Don't <sighs> don't replace it with a router. Leave the switch in place because the last thing you want is two routers on one network. It's just not necessary. Uh, so number one, uh, I'm just, uh, uh, you know, whenever we, we get these type of questions, what is leading you to believe there's a slowdown? Oh. Okay. So I just want to get to that issue. What what makes you think? Have have you done, you know, there are websites, for example, that will do, you know, like bandwidth speed tests. You search for that with Google. You get a boatload of places that will give you a pretty good approximation, uh, you know, of how fast your connection is. So w- what is leading him to believe that things are slowing down? It could be his download rates with downloads in Safari or BitTorrent or whatever you know client you're running. Right. Um, but the other thing I'm, that occurred to me, especially when he said when he reset the airport, things got better. 
you're getting hacked, dude. Oh. I wonder if somebody's like sponging your bandwidth off of your airport. Oh. I mean, I, it just occurred to me. I mean, you know, so you reset your airport and, and the leeches, you know, if they're hacking, especially if you're using WEP or something like that, if they're hacking your password, oh, okay, it'll take them a little while to eventually rehack your WEP, uh, WEP deal. Well, no, if they know it, then they know it. But um, I would be concerned that there may be people stumbling across your airport that should not be there, which would explain to me why when you reset, things get better. Huh. Just a thought. Yeah, that's interesting. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe he's got to <laughs> set up his, uh, his, you know, some security on the network, or if you have security, change it. Um change it um and i think uh, on the airport itself i don't know what ability they have I, i'm currently well they've got all the, they've uh, got the everything Linksys, but logging and uh, you know can, oh, i mean yeah. actually the best thing would be to show like connected clients i, I don't right. recall off the top of my head if the airport software allows you to see who's connected currently i know you know the linksys does yeah yeah and others so uh, restrict who can connect you know if you don't got a password you know do well, we got another show we can link to that kind of tells you about that stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So recently. it could be, especially what tipped me off was a. it sounded like he was in a college, uh, yeah. you know, probably densely populated environment. And, uh, <laughs> yep. That'll I know do I it. see a lot of base stations that, uh, you know, I, I don't need to connect to them, but if I wanted to, I could. I, I can see my neighbor's base station from the studio. In fact, we uh, had a band rehearsal for the, the soul band for the Ghetto Fabulous I don't know, a mm. month or so ago, and our keyboard player brought his laptop, and he opened it up, and I said, oh, do you want the password for the network? Because I have one, you know, downstairs in the studio, or in the mm. office. And uh, he's like, uh, no, I, I I seem to have found one that's, <laughs> uh, that's letting me out. I'm like, well, it ain't me, but okay. Because Apple software is so friendly. It's like, I can't find your regular base station. Would you like me to connect to yeah. X? There it's you like, go. Okay. Yeah, okay, fine, yeah, fine so with me. Windows too, I think it will be very. Yeah, he was on a he, he yeah. was on a Brian was on a Windows machine. It didn't matter. It just, yeah, yeah, he was good to so go. Just he knew up. what to do. So there you go. All right, all right. So Gary wrote in uh, with a question here. Hi guys, question: Can you recommend any small business software for the Mac that people can use and see updated information in real time in an office environment? Something like a spreadsheet or just a document. We are constantly making changes to our stuff, and a total of 10 people need to see all the updates in real time. Okay, uh, th- there are a couple of things, and, and one of them is something I've wanted to talk about for, for a long time. Uh, the first, though, is Microsoft Office, the current version, Office 2004, and of course there's a new one that's uh, due out this year. But Office 2004 with Word and Excel has a collaboration mode where you can have one document that's open by multiple people. You've got to save it to a shared drive, either on one Mac or on a server or some combination thereof. And, uh, and, and it will let you make changes to it and let other people see those changes. So you can do that with Word or Excel, so a document or a spreadsheet, and that'll work fine. And that may do exactly what Gary wants. However... Getting to uh, an office with 10 people, you may have data that people are accessing at different times, but really everyone needs the ability to access at any time and see the most up-to-date file. And that brings in one of the things, and, and it's fascinating to me, actually, that we've been doing this show, what, almost two years now, and I don't believe I've ever mentioned FileMaker before, yet I use it 
in two of my companies every day. And, and those two companies are, of course, the Mac Observer and Backbeat Media. We use FileMaker on the back end extensively. And we have a FileMaker server that actually runs here in my office in Durham. And uh, people access it from all over the country and at times all over the world, getting at all of this data that's uh, that's available. Now, FileMaker doesn't come... Uh, cheap is the wrong word it, because it is fairly inexpensive for what you get. But uh, it it is an environment. So you need to either find some pre-made template or a database or you need to create your own. And that, and internally here, what we did was create our own. Um, the Backbeat Media one was created uh, nine years ago, eight years ago, something like that. The TMO one that we used to track all our contacts was uh, eh, only about a year old, I guess, the current one that we're using. But it's fantastic. You can have databases related to each other. You can have, uh, obviously, multiple people accessing the same database, if if one person's editing editing a file, it'll lock the other people out from editing that file, but you can see the changes and, and all of that stuff. And frankly, I don't know how I could possibly live and run these businesses without it. So FileMaker, uh, and, and really we actually here use FileMaker Pro, is fantastic. They're not paying me to say this. Uh, it's just a fact of life for me here. It It's so, if you've ever programmed an access on the Windows side, or, you know, heaven forbid, uh, you know, PHP and MySQL, which are great. Obviously, TMO runs on them. But uh, FileMaker is so easy. Almost any, uh, anyone can can grok the whole concept of how to create a FileMaker database in less than a day. I really believe that. It, uh, Of course, if you want to get advanced and use scripts and all that stuff, uh, you, you can go on and on and on and... And the the possibilities are almost limitless. They there are limits with FileMaker, and depending on what you want to do, sometimes you have to code around those limits. But but there's not a whole lot of coding that you have to do. You can you certainly can, but but it, it it's fantastic. I, I I know I'm I'm rambling on here and and have found myself in the midst of a soliloquy about File FileMaker, but <laughs> it deserves it. It it's a fantastic app. It's been around. For so long, like I said, we've been using it at Backbeat Media for, what, seven, eight, nine years, something like that. And basically what we're using today, though it exists now on a server, um, is what we created back then. It, 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 and now we're using FileMaker 8. It's it just fantastic. I, I can't say enough about it. it, especially for a small office. Yes, it takes a little bit of, an, of time investment to, to generate what you need. But at that point, it's totally customized for your needs. So... I, again, I can't say I can't say enough about it. So, FileMaker, there you go. Hi, John. Now, hi, Dave. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> you like FileMaker now? I guess I, I, do. I don't use FileMaker that much, probably because one of my uh, actually my first uh, uh, co-op job when I was doing my undergrad was uh, writing SQL code. So I kind of despise and hate. Oh no, you don't need to write that. SQL code to use FileMaker. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> no, you, I think I just hear database and I just shy away. Yeah, from but it but that's the thing though, dude. It's it's not. It's so <laughs> not that. It it, Good. it has all of that, but it, it hides it from you. You can get to it if you want to, but but cool. for the for the, 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 the casual and, and even intermediate user, you never have to deal with any of that. You're just dragging things and laying things out and putting things on a screen in a visual sense and boom, you're done. 
That's it. Excellent. So which is the go. way things uh, should be. That, but back but in the yeah, it's days, so the it's so Mac like, and and you know, lo and behold, Apple owns a stake in FileMaker. So there you go. Or Apple owns FileMaker yeah. now, right? They did. They sold it. Now it's back again. Who knows? Go get it. It doesn't yeah. matter who owns it. Buy it if you got a small business and and use it. It's great. So I like also because um, I think our uh, emailer here <laughs> was talking about collaboration in general. So I want to take a couple of I don't think they're tangents, but uh, okay, you know, just real time collaboration tools. Uh, one which you know if you have not used, I've used it. and I think you have, Dave. But WebEx. Oh yeah. If you want to share a screen. And do a real time now. Now I don't know. I think WebEx is limited in how many people can actually control what's happening, so it may not be the greatest. But it allows everybody to at least chat among themselves and all to see the same thing. So that could be a solution. Another thing, um, I never stop and spend enough time with these folks, and I should. But SmartBoard, uh, we've seen them oh, both at the uh, yeah the Mac shows, and they do have a. Uh, you know, collaborative whiteboards, um, and and I'm assuming that, you know. So the nice thing is that it's a basically a link between a whiteboard and a computer, which is pretty cool in and of itself. But uh, I know that they offer, depending on the, the the hardware, the ability, and maybe they'll you know give us more info on this. Um, call in two zero six 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 geek four three three five. And let us know. But, but from what I've seen, that they, when I did you know, stop by their booth, they would be showing demos where it looked like there was a high level of interactivity. They have boards. They have tablets. Um, so something like that, too. Now, net meeting is another thing, but I don't think the Mac is directly – I don't know. I haven't run net meeting on the Windows side in ages, so I don't even know if uh, – that's the latest. The last time I did, it seemed to be a kind of interesting uh, – I mean, do you know, Dave? Have, have they uh, – where have they gone with net meeting? Uh, you're asking the wrong Lately. guy. I don't. I don't okay. think there's. Yeah. I don't think there's any way to do net meeting on the Mac. But it does use standard protocols. So maybe one H264 of those. H two sixty four or something like that. I think is. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, uh, I think. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. So Someone? WebEx Smartboard. Um. You know. Give them a whirl. We'll link to you know some of their uh, pages there. There you go. And you were saying. What's that? You were saying two oh yeah, you already talked about the number. I talked about two oh six 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 geek. That's four three three five to those of you who don't have numbers on your telephones or are dialing from a keyboard. So I wonder what happened. Does Skype is Skype smart enough? If you dial with Skype and type in the the letters, is it smart enough to convert those to numbers? I don't know. Beats me. Can I? We're gonna beat you now? That's not nice. <laughs> Uh, there, there was one bit of errata from last week that I wanted to address, <clears throat> and many of you yes. addressed it with me via email this week. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was talking. <laughs> I was talking about the du command, the disk usage uh, command, Ooh. as a way of finding Ooh. the amount of space used by a, a in in the instance I used last week by a user directory, and the one I typed this command multiple times per week. And when I type it, it just rolls off the fingers. But of course, when I started talking about it in the podcast, it was, you know, total mind cloud, right? And uh, mm -hmm. and the one option I could not remember was the S option. S is in summary. So it's mm. uh, to find the amount of space used by someone else's user directory, assuming you have administrative privileges, is sudo, S-U-D-O, space, D-U, which is the command in question, space, Dash, which is the minus key. S is in summary. And then I like H, which returns the 
sizes in human output and then a space and then the name of the directory so if you're if you're in the terminal and uh, you want to see the directory of a user whose short name is test1 it's slash users with a capital u slash test1 and then enter so sudo space du space dash sh space slash users slash test1 and that will return one line with the entire size of that user directory so that's it uh, thank you for uh, thank you to uh, Dave, Jim, Bill, and everyone else that wrote in, uh, and all of you who were banging your steering wheel saying, "No, Dave, you got it wrong," uh, or "Dave, you can't think of it." That's it. So yeah, every now and then it happens. We do do this show, quote unquote, live. Though tonight we did take a, a very very quick break. Uh, I'm not sure if you noticed that, mm-hmm. but uh, but for the most part we do this show live, and sometimes things don't. Uh, Things don't come out as uh, as we expect them to. So there you go. Mm. We should do like on TV one of those, uh, you know, little maybe a little jingle for you know we're having technical difficulties. <laughs> that would be funny. What, what could we use for that? I mean, would it be like a you know a uh, a, a technical mystery or, or something like that? If you have a little jingle, you think we should play when we're having a little problem? Send it off to us. I don't know. I mean, would that be, you know? I mean, would that be appropriate at all? Or do we just uh, kind of, you know, let it go? I don't know. I I don't think the young kids even know what that is. They may not. <laughs> uh, what do we got here? Next week. Uh, more of the same. We have many, many, many questions <laughs> to answer. Uh, though, it, it, you know, and, it, and I know we've we've mentioned this in the past when they've sent out this news release. I know we all turned our clocks back this weekend. Uh, it was so much fun. We're doing it again. I think ahead. Next weekend, we're doing it ahead. Is that right? We're bouncing it back around. You, you said turn clocks back. I, oh, no, you're right. We oh. turn the clocks ahead. Oh, you're right. Spring ahead. Oh, I, that means back. I got to do it again twice now. And some people, it was terrible. I think there's a bit of Indiana that used to be Central Time and decided to go to Eastern Time, so they had to set their clocks ahead two hours. Really? Indiana's always been weird. Yeah, the, about Indiana and, and and some parts of Arizona, right? Or all yeah, of Arizona. Yeah, there was a yeah. county that decided to do both. You know, so both the early thing and to go from Central to Eastern. I guess they're split. If you're in Indiana, let us know. I mean, this this is just bizarre. But all my computers and devices uh, it's, seem it's to be bizarre okay. To I'm you. glad I got an email from Palm saying, "Oh, by the way, you may want to download this uh, updater." That's right. I did. I downloaded it from my uh, Palm, and it 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 kept up to date fine. So the guys that maintain our servers updated it updated the servers only for Eastern Standard or Eastern Time, so Eastern Standard and Daylight. Mm. And everything worked fine, but we have one of the sites on our server operates in Central Time, and I logged mm-hmm. in on Sunday and noticed it hadn't converted yet. I was like, "Oh no!" And they hadn't updated that file, so I had to had to have them go in and update everything. So now it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> it's clobbering time. Why I oughta? Uh, yeah. So next week, yeah, right back to everything. Cashfly hosting Our is questions. where you right. Cashfly hosting is where you've downloaded this show from. Hopefully this show is smaller than previous weeks because uh, we're back to mono. And if it's rebooting your iPod, check the link in the show notes. Go and update. Really, all you got to do is uh, 
launch the latest version of iTunes and it will update your 5G iPod to keep it from rebooting. Yep, yep. Yep. The podcast marketplace has uh, the A5 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, TeachMac from TeachMac.com, Yojimbo from Barebones Software, and Audible with one free download if you use the link in the show notes. Uh, it's always there. So check everything out. Uh, Backbeat Media Podcast Network is where you can arrange for your sponsorship of this show. 206-666-GEEK, MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com. You know, we ought to start using our MacGeekGab.com domain more, don't you think? Maybe we should set up an email address there so that it's I like think, its own thing. Don't you think? Um, it's starting to get spam there. I might as well get some real stuff. <laughs> All right. We'll, uh, we'll figure that out. Don't send anything to MacGeekGab.com yet. We've we'll, we got to sort that out. Uh, Skype voicemail goes to uh, MacGeekGab, and that will get directly to us. No delay. We promise. Mm-hmm. No problem. Vote. Vote. Vote early. Vote often. The show notes will be done within an hour. Right, John? <laughs> your well, your, well, your silence I, your silence speaks volumes. All I'm going to say is, you said within an hour, an hour of what? <laughs> I will agree to that. Yeah, some week I'm going to rattle off a list of like 50 different products that you've got to put in the show notes, and they're going to be really bizarre things that, for some reason, don't show up on Google. Uh, mm-hmm. and no, I won't do that. I'm just not that kind of guy. Let's get out of here. Okay, I'm out of here. Are you? Bye. It's nice out. It's it's nice it's out. So nice. Yeah. It's I didn't get old, enough old snow this winter. Rainy, icy. No, but I'm I'm ready for spring. I'm I'm uh I was standing in the kitchen the other day thinking how nice it is in that room with the wind blowing and it's time. We'll have winter again next year. It'll be good. Maybe a little more snow. Anything else. All in moderation. And no matter what you do in moderation. Don't get caught. Made up.